0: Heidi Halverston is a social psychologist who works for Columbia Business School, and um, Heidi's done a lot of work about um, perception and reality. Heidi wants you to know that you are not as an effective communicator as you think you are, okay? Um, And and by the way, it's not just you, it's me, it's all of us. Uh, she talks about something that she calls the transparency illusion, uh, and basically, the transparency illusion is this idea that I think I'm communicating clearly what I feel or intend or desire, but you're not usually getting it. And part of the reason you're not getting it is I'm not putting a lot of effort into my communication. Right? This happens all the time, right? Where, where we think we're clearly communicating something, but the people on the other end just can't get it. Uh, let me give you an easy example. Um, there was a, a gentleman who called an automotive repair shop. And he said, I'm having a problem with my car. I need some 710. And the guy working at the automotive repair shop said, I'm sorry, sir. I don't, I don't know what 710 is. He said, well, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Uh, um, every automotive repair shop has it. Um, My car really needs some. I need some 710. The guy's like, hold on, let me ask somebody. He goes and he asks somebody else who works there. Do you know what this guy's talking about? No idea. Comes back, sir, is there any way that you could possibly send us like a picture of what you're looking for? Because we're not sure what 710 is. The guy says, of course, oh my gosh, you guys are driving me crazy, but yes, I'll send you a picture. So he goes in his car. He snaps a photo and he emails it to them. And this is the photo he emails to them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oil, right? Not 710, oil. Uh, so sure, he's communicating clearly, right? Um, so not being effective. Okay, so we, um, we do this all the time, right? Uh, I don't understand how you didn't hear me when I said that. Uh, how did you not know how I felt about that? Weren't you paying attention? Uh, oh, I know I said that, but I'm sure you knew what I meant was... I'm just repeating my conversation with my wife from last night. Um, so we, we do this all the time, right, where we assume we're communicating effectively, um, but what people are hearing isn't clear because we're not putting a lot of effort into our communication. So uh, I love this idea, this, this, she calls it the, the transparency illusion. And I want to suggest um, that there is also a spiritual transparency illusion, And the spiritual transparency illusion is this idea that um, inside, in my inner being, I am one way, and therefore, um, I'm going to just naturally be perceived that way in the outer world, right? In my heart and in my mind, um, I love Jesus. And so, um, without any effort, I'm just going to naturally start loving Jesus all over the place um, with my body. Uh, And it's a nice idea, uh, but most of us have not experienced that to be true, right? That it takes some effort um, to get past that spiritual transparency illusion. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, the uh, I- identity categories we find in sure. Uh and particularly using this graphic from Dallas Willard, which you... Can you put that up for a minute for me? Thank you. Um, and so Willard talks about these, these core components of who we are. He says, at our center is our heart. Sometimes He calls it our spirit or our will, okay? Uh, And that is not uh, our heart like the source of our emotions. It's, in the Bible, heart means the source of choice and decision-making, okay? Uh, And I don't know if you can read it, but there's an arrow going all the way into the center of our being, all the way into our heart, that says the Word and Spirit of Christ enters. So, uh, when we want to sort of be reshaped in the image of God, it begins with a choice, right, to say, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, and then around the, the heart, there's another category called mind, right, which is thoughts and feelings. Uh, and we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that while I don't have complete control over my thoughts and feelings, um, I, I can control which of those I dwell on and which, which uh, empower me or control me. Um, but the heart and the mind are like the, the inner self, right? Nobody sees that about me. The next category, which we began talking about last week, is the body. And and the body is really um, how my inner self is translated to the rest of the world, right? So God can see your heart and God can read your mind, but nobody else can, okay? Everybody else finds out everything about you from your body, from what you do in the physical world. Uh, and, And we have this idea that because our inner self... Is made a decision to follow Jesus, or we're trying to think about Jesus, our outer self will just naturally communicate that to the world. That doesn't seem to be the case. So we get to, um, for example, Paul in chapter 7 of Romans, um, where you can take that down, thank you, um, where Paul talks about um, the the struggle he's having with his inner and his outer self. We read this this morning, Stephanie read this for us. Um, Now, I recognize that it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, that's my heart, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I delight in the law of God and my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind. Taking me, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Uh, last week, we talked about this idea that our bodies are good, and so I'm a little bit concerned that Paul missed my sermon. Um, but uh, he's not suggesting that our bodies aren't good, right, or that God didn't make us good. He's suggesting uh, that we have programmed our bodies poorly. Okay, we've programmed our bodies poorly. We have trained our bodies uh, to act in um, ways that are kind of fundamentally selfish. And just because our inner self has changed doesn't mean our outer self, our bodies, immediately uh, reflect that change. Let me give you some really simple examples about how um, our our bodies have been trained to be selfish. Uh, The Book of James in chapter three talks about the tongue, about speech, and says uh, the tongue is like a fire that can set everything around it on fire. Because with my tongue, I can say really wonderful, kind things to you or really hurtful, horrible things to you. With my tongue, I can choose to respect your privacy or gossip your secrets. With my tongue, I can choose uh, to speak truth or to speak lies. With my tongue, um, I, can, I can bless the name of Jesus and I can curse the name of God. And, and all of that comes from habits, right? Uh, maybe this was my experience. In in high school, I decided it was really cool to cuss, right? And so I just, all over the place, like just F-bombs, all over the place, Um, because I thought that was cool. Uh, And then uh, I I got in college, and and I got a little more serious about my faith, and um, I started recognizing that that wasn't necessarily, you know, the the way a Christian ought to be comporting themselves in the world, but it was a habit, right? And I just found those words just Popping out um, of me. And it took a lot of work over time to, to change that. And every now and then, like when something really bad happens, you know, uh, something might pop out. Um, but, but my body was almost trained to talk in a certain way. Right? Uh, this happens with our stomachs, what we uh, choose to eat and not eat. It happens with our hands, whether we choose to use them to bless people or hurt people. It happens with our whole bodies, with our eyes, how we see the world. And, um what we choose to look at uh, and and it's and it's this um, almost almost like a training that we've done so that our bodies and our members respond in a certain way um, and I, and I think there are a lot of cultures that respond to this by simply saying hey maybe the body's just a bad thing right maybe maybe our bodies are just bad and we gotta, we got to either indulge them or hurt them, hedonism or asceticism. Um, or, you know, we talked last week, just, just get out of them, right? Just get our soul out of our body because our body's no good. we got to get to heaven. But Paul has a really different idea. Paul says, just as you have presented your body over time as, as members of sin, right? You've trained your body to act and speak and behave in a certain way. So too you can present your body as members to righteousness. You can train your body uh, to begin to be a tool to help you bless God and bless others. Uh, And this is really an interesting idea. Um, I think this begins with something really simple um, that we often call habits. Um, A a few years ago, we taught a class here uh, on habit formation, and uh, Rachel Zentner helped co-teach that class. And she showed a video that I really loved. Uh, And it's uh, from a YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day. And it's about um, how to learn to ride a different kind of bicycle. And I wanna play that clip for you. Where I work,
1: the welders are geniuses and they like to play jokes on the engineers. He had a challenge for me. He had built a special bicycle and he wanted me to try to ride it. He had only changed one thing. When you turn the handlebar to the left, the wheel goes to the right. When you turn it to the right, the wheel goes to the left. I thought this would be easy, so I hopped on the bike, ready to demonstrate how quickly I could conquer this. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dustin Salem. First attempt riding the bicycle. Alright. So, the faster I go, the
0: better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I sure. couldn't do it. You can see that I'm laughing, but I'm actually really frustrated. I do not make definitive statements that often, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot ride this bicycle you might think you can but you can't i know this because i'm often asked to speak at universities and conferences and i take the bike with me it's always the same people think they're going to try some trick or they're just going to power through it it doesn't work your brain cannot handle this for instance this guy i offered him 200 just to ride this bike 10 feet across the stage everybody thought he could do it No, you didn't understand. You didn't understand. So... This way. <laughs> no, no, okay. All right, I'm just like, okay. All right, so, uh... you're in. Quickly. Yeah. No, no, you have to keep your feet on... <laughs> so here's what I did. It was a personal challenge. I stayed out here in this driveway, and I practiced about five minutes every day. My neighbors made fun of me. I had many wrecks. But after eight months, this happened. One day I couldn't ride the bike, and the next day I could. It was like I could feel some kind of pathway in my brain that was now unlocked. It was really weird though. It's like there's this trail in my brain, but if I wasn't paying close enough attention to it, my brain would easily lose that neural path and jump back onto the old road it was more familiar with. Any small distractions at all, like a cell phone ringing in my pocket, would instantly throw my brain back to the old control algorithm and I would wreck. But at least I could ride it. Well, the question is, can I ride a normal bike now? I mean, I've spent all this time unlearning how to ride a bike. If I go back and try to ride a normal one, will my brain mess up? It's backwards, it's backwards. This was one of the most frustrating moments of my life. I had ridden a normal bike since I was six, but in this moment, I couldn't do it anymore. I had set out to prove that I could free my brain from a cognitive bias. But at this point, I'm pretty sure that all I proved is that I could only redesignate that bias. After 20 minutes of making a fool out of myself, suddenly my brain clicked back into the old algorithm. I can't explain it, but it happened in a very specific moment.
0: Got it! Got it! Got it! I, got it. I back. Oh, click! Hold on, it! Click! I got it! I got it! Okay, there it is. There's the moment. Okay, I can ride a bike. I love that idea, right? That um, our brains kind of get programmed to deal with things in a certain way, but we can reprogram them if we work hard. Um, by the way, there's all kinds of um, great brain research about this, but there's something called the basal ganglia in your brain, which is where habits exist that's completely unrelated to the part of your brain that does cognitive thinking, right? So um, I can say I'm going to never have alcohol again because I know it's bad for me, Uh, and the cognitive thinking part of my brain can make that decision, but the basal ganglia doesn't because it's a habit part of my brain, and I've still got that habit, and I'd realize all of a sudden I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm drinking a beer because the habit kicked in, right? Ever been on your way somewhere and realized you were focused on something other than driving and then um, looked up 20 minutes later at work instead of at the grocery store because you just started driving, right? The cognitive part of your brain and the habit part of your brain totally unrelated. So um, here's why this matters. Um, even though there are totally different parts of our brain, um, we can retrain ourselves, right? We can retrain this sort of body knowledge just like he did, Right? over time, with enough effort, you can, you can create a new way for your body to think. So when Paul says, present your members to God as instruments of righteousness, I think this is what he's talking about. He's not saying that tomorrow I want you to get up and say, I'm never going to cuss again. I'm never going to look lustfully at somebody again. I'm never going to get angry again. I'm never going to have bad eating habits again, right? Right? He's saying, I want you to, to work at retraining your body, right? Work at practice, at, at training your body so that you're using your, your outer nature as a way to glorify God, uh, so that your outer nature starts looking like your inner nature. Uh, some really simple things uh, about this that I, I want to put forward. I, I want to encourage you to think, you know, what's, what's one place? What's one place in my life? Um, Where I have these habits, this sort of body knowledge that I want to retrain, uh, where my body has been presented as um, a tool for sin, I want to use it as a tool for righteousness. It can be overwhelming to do it all, so pick one thing, right? Whatever it is. Let's just say, um, for the sake of demonstration, um, you're going to pick your tongue, right? I have a bad habit of lying to get out of trouble. I have a bad habit of gossiping. I have a bad habit of um, using bad language, whatever it might be. So then, um, not one time, but every day for weeks, you're going to get up and you're going you're to spend some time in prayer and say, God, today I want to dedicate my tongue to you. And I want my speech to honor you uh, and, and glorify you and not me. Uh, and then, um, as you go about your day, you're going to have to practice, like practice riding a bike, right? Uh, I know that sometimes I'm really judgmental with people. So, oh, here comes so-and-so, what am I going to say that's not going to sound judgmental? I'm going to practice my speech. And then after I screw up, because you will, I'm going to go back and say, all right, Lord, uh, how could I have said that differently? How could I handle that situation better? Uh, And then maybe I'm going to find a friend or a family member and say, hey, I'm really trying to train myself in this. Will you help me? Will you be someone I can talk to and be accountable with? Um, Just like you want to train yourself to ride a bike or you want to train yourself to throw a baseball, or you want to train yourself to run a mile, right? You have to train your body to be a tool for righteousness. To say, hey God, I want my tongue, I want my hands, I want my eyes, I want my face, I want whatever it is um, to reflect my deep love for you and not the selfishness with which I sort of naturally live. So uh, this idea, really, really important for us, that we can um, reprogram ourselves to glorify God with our bodies. Um, two Im- important caveats about this that are, that are big for us, or uh, maybe two ways that, that help us in this process, because it's easy to start saying, well, it's just all on me, right? I gotta reprogram myself. Don't know if you've ever known anybody who was a stroke victim. A um, number of folks that I have known who've had very serious strokes and then have survived. Um, we were often in a situation where they had uh, to relearn how to do basic things, right? Relearn how to eat, relearn how to speak, relearn how to walk. This is a really difficult and laborious process because it's something that you thought you knew how to do, and, and your brain just can't make your body work, and you have to retrain it. Right? And as, as painful and difficult as that is, um, I think there's something in there that connects to what Paul is saying about dying in Christ. See, Paul says it's not just that we had a stroke and we have to relearn how to use our bodies. Paul says that we died in Christ. And if we are connected with Christ in a death like His, then we'll be connected with Christ in a resurrection like His. He says, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. In other words, he says, um, once you make that internal decision to follow Jesus, it's like you have to retrain your whole life. You're you're starting all over again. God, um, I always thought this is how I like to talk to people, but maybe now I'm not going to talk to people that way. God, I always looked at people like this, but... Maybe I can't look at people like that anymore. Uh, It's not just a little thing I need to work on, right? He's saying, hey, your whole life starts over in Christ. And by the way, this isn't supposed to be overwhelming. It's supposed to be exciting. Now I can get it right. Uh, Now I can finally learn to love people and care for people and show grace and compassion um, because I get this do-over, right? I get this do-over that doesn't begin when I get to heaven. It begins right now. And then Paul says, hey, it's not just on you to do that. It's not just on you to figure out how to start this new life because you are connected to the body of Christ. That's what this meal is about, right? That we're about to celebrate. It's about our connection to the body of Christ, to each other, and to Jesus Himself, right? To say that it's the power of God in me that gives me the capacity to reprogram my life, to make my inner life match my outer life, and vice versa. Uh, and this meal isn't a meal where we come and simply say, um, I want to see a cool miracle or um, I, I, want to, I want to have a spiritual high. It's a reminder for us that our daily lives and our daily bread are rooted in our connection with Jesus, right? And, and asking His Spirit to come inside us, that's how we understand this meal. It's, it's, a, it's an invitation by the Holy Spirit to be um, deeply connected with Him, to invite the Spirit to come and live inside us as we eat the bread and drink the cup and to say, hey, help me be reprogrammed. Be the strength that helps me become the person that I want to be. Um, Because it's really hard to change your brain. Uh, And as Destin said, even after you've reprogrammed it, like a cell phone rings and you're back to the old model. And so the Holy Spirit says, um, you know what, I'll be your strength. Come back to me and let me walk you through this process. And here's the good news. Um, because God made us good, and because God is working in us through His Spirit, you're going to win. Whatever the sin is you're trying to conquer in your life, whatever the, the ways your body has been misprogrammed, you're going to win. I mean, it might take you eight months to learn to ride the bike differently. Now, it might take you years to change those habits But ultimately, God in you is greater than anything you can imagine, and you're going to change, and you're going to become the sort of person you want to be. But it takes this intentional effort, right? It takes an intentional effort to say, God, I want to communicate the Spirit in me to the world around me through my body. And when I screw up, I want to come back to your body and find the strength to try again. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for um, the invitation to be uh, in Your life and in Your body, and we pray that You would be in ours as well. We pray that uh, You would help us to present our bodies as um, members for righteousness today. And Lord, however long it takes, we want uh, to be spiritually transparent. We want um, the world to see us and from the outside know our hearts and our minds because we are so aligned with You um, that we cannot help but communicate Your love and Your grace and all that we say and do. And we know that comes not from us but from You. So we pray that You would prepare us today uh, to receive Your Spirit well so that Um, With your Spirit in us, we might become someone new. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.